0: Hello, thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance his kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. Uh, I want to encourage the churches globally to be focused on prayer, not just passivity. I know some of us are just sitting there watching Netflix, just kind of buying the time waiting for the moment to to gather again in in a corporate setting. But I believe in this moment, in this time, God has a specific plan for us to gather together, to pray, to seek the Father's heart, to, to, um, to be the church. We've continued to say that. So just that we would be people of prayer, that we would be focused on what the Lord has for us. Also, I know it's been going around Facebook, all of those things, as far as the the, the, the joke about essential personnel. Hey, I'm an essential personnel. Well, this morning, I want you to know that the church is essential. It's essential in every facet of our lives. It has always been essential. It's something that is uh, even more so now than ever. So I just want to encourage you as the church to just be activated this morning. Maybe we haven't prayed. Maybe we haven't fasted. Maybe we haven't sought the Lord uh, in, in these last few weeks like we should have been. But let's make sure that we, as the people of God, are doing everything we need to do to allow God to be involved in this situation. Amen? So today, we're going to jump right in. That The title of the message is, On What Foundation Is Your Faith Built? Now, I know that's one thing right now that is, is something that we're looking at. You know, our faith is, is, is either steadfast or it's going to be shaken. It just, it just depends which, which way we're looking at it. Um, so let's look at 1 Peter 1, 6 through 6-7. Starting in verse 6, it says, "...in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire may be proven genuine." and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So this week, as I was thinking about that refining process, that gold refining process, uh, that process is done by, they take gold and they put it in a crucible, and they heat that crucible up to 1,947,000 uh, degrees Fahrenheit. So just think of this process, that process of being put in a, in a fire that is that hot, it, it's put in there and that's the melting point. so it's put in the crucible, then it begins to start to melt. Then they pour it once the, the gold begins to molten and it gets completely liquefied. They pour it in a basin and as what happens, all of the other minerals, different things like that, the copper, the silver, the iron, tin, lead, um, all of those th- those impurities begin to rise to the surface. And when those when they rise to the surface they can actually be removed from the gold, and it causes the purification of gold process to happen. So we know when we look at this scripture where it says that that trying of our faith, you know, that refining as gold, it is a process that God puts us through. It's it's, it's the tool that God uses to change us, to make us pure, to make us holy, to make us more like Him. So God causes our faith to be refined by using difficult moments in our life to grow our faith and mold us into what He desires us to be. Guys, we have to realize that it's all about what God wants. Now, some of us may not always like what God does, but we have to trust Him in the good seasons and the bad seasons. I know when things are great and there's blessing and there's provision and there's prosperity, everybody's excited. Well, what happens when a hard moment hits, when that refining process begins to happen and where our faith is being tried? We have to understand that in each of these situations, God is using those opportunities to grow our faith. We have to realize that all of the things that we get ourselves into is not what God has caused to happen, but he uses those things. Sometimes we get ourselves in a bind by making poor choices. Sometimes it is just a byproduct of living in a fallen world. There's many different variables that cause hardship and grief and that trial by fire that refines us to be all that God has called us to be. But we have to understand that God knows what he's doing. He doesn't mess up. He knows when seasons begin and when seasons end. He knows when the last case of this coronavirus is going to be gone. But our hope and our trust has to be in him. He has to be the foundation in which our faith is built. So I've noticed, you know, some of the most challenging moments in life. Sorry. (laughs) Let me grab this. So if we look at this fruit, if, if, if we look at the trials of life around us, you don't really know what's inside until you're squeezed, so I know that if I were to put a lot of pressure on this orange and I would begin to squeeze it, whatever is inside would come out. Now there's different different times, you know, if, if a if the fruit is not ripe, there'll be very little juice. It'll still kind of be dry. It won't really it hasn't ripened yet. But if you have if you have a fruit that is that is red ri- is ripe and it's good and you can you can almost just taste it right when you peel it and you bite into it and it's just it's just just right. Then you can have the other side to where it's over ripened to the point of where it almost begins to rot. So whichever phase that the fruit is in, when it is squeezed by the pressure of the world, whatever is inside will come out. And I'm not going to squeeze it this morning because I don't want to make a big mess. But if I were to squeeze this, something would come out. So when we look at our lives. You know, we have to understand that, you know, when the pressure of life begins to squeeze us, what comes out? Is it something that shows secured faith? Is it something that shows fear? Is it something that shows uncertainty? We have to realize that when those pressures of life come, something is going to come out. When that pressure from the outside, whatever it is, it'll come out. Luke 6, verses 43 through 45 It says, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Verse 44, it says, each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from the thorn bushes or grapes from briars. It says, the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil mind brings things out of the evil stored up in his heart. In this verse that we all know, it says, for out of the overflow of his heart... His mouth speaks. So we have to understand that the, uh, that the heart is the central point of everything, okay? So everything comes out of the heart, okay? So the good will come out of the heart. The bad will come out of the heart. It doesn't matter what it is. It's always come. So when somebody says something that's not nice or it's mean, it really, it really discourages me because uh, that means that there is something in his heart that that ugliness is coming out of. Okay, So it's not just, hey, I was mad, hey, I, was, I didn't like the situation, but when ugliness comes out, we have to be concerned because that comes out of the heart. The mouth never speaks it if it's not within the heart. So we have to understand that heart is the, is the central point of where this process of faith happens, of who the person is, where faith to believe happens. All of these things happen. So the ugliness inside will come out if there's ugliness in our heart. So the same is true with nice things that come out of our mouth. Those words come out of the goodness of God in our hearts. But without God transforming our hearts and our foundation and our faith being in Christ, we will never get to that place. We'll see more ugly than good. And if we see ugly come out, we have to ask God to change our hearts because he's really the only one that that can begin to change and mold those things in our life. So a person will always be identified by the fruit in their lives or the lack thereof it. Okay, so the heart is the core of the person, whether good, bad, or ugly. So, And it's also in the heart that there is a faith unto salvation. That's where faith unto salvation is found also. Okay, Romans 10, 9 through 10. Starting in verse 9, Romans 10. It says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So here's how it starts breaking down. Listen for these key words. It says, for it is with... Your heart that you believe and are justified. So it's two things, belief, which is faith, and are justified, which is is just as if you have never sinned. It's this purification process of being made new. Okay, and then it says, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. So as we look at that scripture just for a moment, you know, in, in the heart I believe and I am justified. So what we have in the heart is faith and purification. So we have to understand that this salvation process is an amazing thing. You know, With our heart, we believe in the salvation, but then there's a justification process. So justification only happens by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not just by being a good person or trying to be self-controlled or trying to keep the mindset right. I know that we try to do that sometimes. It's like, hey, if you think it, you can be it. But there's something that has to change in the core of who we are if we're going to be Christ-like. If our heart has not been transformed by the power of God, we will just be fighting in our own efforts to be good enough. And I don't know if you realize this, but just being good enough will never allow you a place in heaven. We have to ask in faith. We have to believe. We have to believe in faith. And that justification has to come from God. Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27. It's a really, really powerful scripture. Starting in verse 25, it says, I will cleanse you from all your impurities, from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and to be careful to keep my laws. So listen to this passage. First and foremost, it says that he will cleanse us from all impurities. That's something that he does. We cannot cleanse ourselves. We, you, know, you know, it's like we, we take a shower every day, hopefully, but it's one of those things that God can only fix the heart. It's, it's, not, it's not an outward thing. It's an inward thing. Only God knows the motives of the heart, and only he can cleanse the heart. Okay? And it says that, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll come in and he'll clean those impurities, but he will also cleanse you from all your idols. And this right here really got me because I started thinking about where we are at as a country, where we are at as a world, where the idols are beginning to fall. I mentioned that last week. You know, there's been people that have talked about idols falling, those things. An idol is anything that replaces God. May it be money, may it be your job, may it be your spouse, whatever it is that you place confidence in that we should be placing in God. Any of those things that were our security, that we're our comfort, which, you know, all of those things can be idols in our life. But he says that he will cleanse us from all of those impurities and from all of our idols. So then this process, you know, you talk about, you know, when we use the word justification. So how in the world can justif- justification happen if we just try to be good? It can't. But in Ezekiel, it says that he, just not, he doesn't just only clean, clean our heart, but he completely removes it. And he gives us a heart, he takes that heart of stone, that heart that, that, that beats for the things of the world, and he transplants his heart within our heart. And then he just doesn't change our heart, but he releases his Holy Spirit to live inside of us, to guide us, and to strengthen us, and to be all that we need to be successful in this life. So when we see this happen, we, now we understand when it says that this person is, if you've ever seen anybody that, who, have, who has come to a relationship with the Lord that was really, really bad. Now, that may be some of you this morning that I'm talking to. You may say, well, I was that really, really bad person. And then we come to a knowledge of who Christ is, and it is per- the perception is that person is a whole new person. He doesn't even act the same. He doesn't even talk the same. You see a complete transformation. Could it be because God has completely replaced something with something new? He's taken that heart of stone. He's given you a heart of flesh. He's purified you. He's he's beginning to shift the way we think, but that only happens when our faith is in Christ alone, that we are focused on Him. That second part of that passage in in Romans, it talks about that, you know, there's a confession part that's required. Well, I believe that many of us can maybe make a confession, but unless we believe in faith, that confession falls short. Because I can say whatever I want this morning, but if it's not, if it's not communicated in faith or, or belief in, in what, what is I'm preaching is true, it's just words. But when we say them in faith, okay? So, you know, when we say, when our heart is surrendered to God, we will speak forth from a heart that is transformed. And then that true confession causes us to be saved. You realize this, this, is, this is like a multi-tiered process. You know, we believe in faith, and then we're transformed. And, and then, you know, our actions will be evident to some degree. Okay? So today, what is your faith built on? Many of us really, I believe, up until now have maybe been, in, been confident in our own abilities or our strength. But how about now that you're out of, that you're completely out of control? Now some of us are just frustrated, they're mad, they say, hey, why can't we go about just what we're doing? Maybe some of us are taking things really serious and we are staying home and we're trying to do our part. But you have to realize that every single one of us have been affected. We're having church this morning on a live stream. Even the church has been affected. That doesn't mean that 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 it's not powerful and that it's been disarmed. It just means the way we're doing it is different, but every facet has been uh, changed. Restaurants, banks, workplaces, everything is changing. There has been no one that has not been affected. So now that you're completely out of control, what is your response? I want to look at this passage from Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Matthew 7. Twenty four through twenty seven, it says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. It says, The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and, and it fell with a great crash. So when we look at that, you know, uh, the, the words, you know, there it says, you know, Jesus is the rock. We have to realize that anything that's not established on the rock who is Christ is, is going to fail. Now, you may have been able to keep it together up to this point, but if you keep relying on your own faith and your own dependence and what you can do rather than placing your faith in Christ, you're going to begin to see yourself failing. You're going to begin to see your stress level rise. You're going to be able to see where you come to the end of yourself and God has to take over. So the rock this morning is always Jesus Christ. So what would represent the sand? Anything else... That is not Jesus Christ. Think about it. Anything. Okay? Some of you this morning, uh, you know, have put your hope in Jesus Christ, but there has been very little action and response on your end. So you may ask, say, hey, Pastor Noe, what are you talking about? Let's look at James 2. Sorry I'm throwing a lot of Scripture at you, but I feel it's super important just to look at the Scripture because I think our life has to be frameworked around the Scripture, not just ideas or, you know, different things like that. So we're going to look at James 2, 14 through 26. I'm going to read through all of this. Uh, Just bear with me, starting in verse 14. It says, What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes or daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? Verse 17, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. Verse 19, you believe that there is, a, there is one God? Good, even the demons believe that and shudder. Verse 20, you foolish man. You, you do, do, do you want evident that face without, faith without deeds is useless? Uh, was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. Verse 23, and the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteous. And he was called God's friend. You see, a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? Verse 26, and this is, this is the, the, the focus point. And the body, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is also dead. So there has to be action to accommodate our faith. We can't say, hey, we're saved, we've been justified, and then we, then we remain, remain passive. That we don't do anything, that our actions don't re- reflect the transformation process in our heart. But look at these two words in that verse 24. It says that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. So just like we said, you know, that you have to have faith. You know, and, there, and there's a justification process. It's the same, same thing. You have faith and you have justification. Same reference here. Faith and justification. This is the process that God does. He doesn't give us faith without transforming us. But he transforms us when we have faith. And then when we have faith and we're transformed and we declare who he is in our life, we will have actions in our life that will reflect a pursuit of who God is. Every single time. When we look at this passage, you know, and, and we look over these things, there are, there are so many things we can reflect on. You know, it says, the, the wise and, and the foolish person, one who built on the rock, one who built on the sand. In verse 20 of that same passage, it says, you foolish man. We keep seeing the same thing, you know, that there's, that there's one who's a fool, there's one who's righteous. There's one who has faith, and there's one who just has actions apart from faith. Without, without faith, actions are dead. But with faith, actions accomplish everything that God has for you to accomplish. So justification causes you to walk a new walk, but you must do something. Today, you have to do something. You can't just sit there pastor, and say, Ah, you know, we'll let the pastors do it, or we'll let the leadership team do it. We'll let so-and-so do it. What is God calling you to today? How can, how can you reach out to your neighbors, maybe to your left and your right? Who can you call today to, to be, the, to be the, the hands and feet of Christ? Who can you encourage? Who can you call? Who can you love on? What can you do today? So I hope that today you're looking into your life and you, maybe you've identified uh, where your faith is. Is it in the power of man or is it secured in God alone? You know, I hope that we clarify that today, that we don't walk away and say, well, I really don't know what my faith in. Maybe it hasn't been tried bad enough yet or it hasn't got bad enough. I would hope that today that you respond to what the Spirit of God is wanting to do in your life and that you would turn to where He would be king of your heart. You know, that you wouldn't be dependent upon yourself. So we have to understand that God is removing all the idols, you know, and He desires to cleanse you today. He's causing all all other foundations to crumble and fall. You realize that? God will not settle for second best. He wants to be number one in your life. He desires to have all of your heart. He is a jealous God. So on what foundation is your faith built? What do you want to do? What's your focus? Today, you got to allow God just to do that work in your life as He does that transformation, as He does that work. This week, as I was praying, I came across this passage, and and I really believe that this is a prophetic word straight from Scripture. You know, one of the be- some of the best prophetic words, when they're scriptural-based, they're hard, they're hard to debate. So we're going to look at this passage, and, and I'm just going to communicate it to you because I believe this comes right out of the heart of God. Looking at Jeremiah 17:5 through 8. It says, This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who depend- depends on flesh for his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. Verse 6, He will be like a bush in the wasteland. He will not see prosperity when it comes. He will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. Verse 7, it shifts. It says, But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence or faith is in Him. He will be like a tree planted by waters that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. It leaves, Its leaves are always green." It has no worries in in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. So today, I reiterate to you, on what foundation is your faith built? Today, I plead with you to put your faith and your trust in in God and God alone. If there's anything else that, that, that your hope and your trust comes from, and, you know, I know that jobs are being affected, family dynamics are being affected... We have to keep our focus and our trust in God. There's nothing else we can do. I'm going to close with this Psalms 121. Verse 1 through 2, it says, I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? Verse 2 says, My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So as we we close today, I hope that today you look to the hills, that there's a shift of your perspective, that you're just not looking at the bad things or the difficult things, but your eyes are towards the hills, looking for God to come to your rescue. Maybe this morning you're saying, Pastor Noe, I I don't know what to do. I'm fearful, I'm stressed. I, I feel like my life is out of control. Today, God can speak peace to your storm. And wherever you're at, if this morning you're in need of a touch from his presence, In your home, if your kids are next to you, just kind of push them away a little bit and just lift your hands in that place. And Father God, the Spirit of God is right there with you. And I just encourage you to say, Father, God, release your presence into my life. Show me who you are. Father, my hope, my trust is in you. Father, I need you. Say that to yourself. Say, I need you. If there's anything maybe that you have put your faith in, Just say, Lord, I am so sorry that my faith was secured in that or my faith was focused in that, that today your faith can rest solely in who God is and what He's doing in your life. So on what foundation is your faith built? I hope that your faith is built on nothing else but Jesus' blood and His righteousness and who He is. You guys be blessed today. Thank you so much for uh, worshiping with us. I pray that you're richly blessed. Hey, if we can do anything uh, for you, send us a message via Facebook, contact the church, send us an email. Let us know how we can help you and how we can serve you. Just know today, we're praying for you. We're standing with you. We know that we're gonna get through this and God is gonna prove himself faithful. We love you guys. you be blessed. We'll see you guys next week.